Good morning. My name is Stevie Franks, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you joined us here this morning on Grace City Online. Have you ever seen God? I'm not talking about like maybe you seeing God and you know in your toast, and it was just perfect. You were buttering your toast, and boom, there's Jesus. Or you know you were. Um, you were swimming in the water and saw a coral reef, and it looked just like Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Um, I'm not even talking about seeing God physically, right? Because we know no man walking on this earth has ever seen God physically. But you know what I mean, right? I'm talking about have you ever seen God? And really, it's probably more of have you ever seen him just in his work directly here on this planet? You know, when you see the child that's miraculously healed from a disease or, or you, your prayers come true and are answered and you get the job. Or, you know, the cowboys recover an onside kick and it is miraculous. Okay, just kidding about that. But maybe. Yes, you see God working. And, and when we see God working, we see him, right? His presence is felt. We see his power, his majesty. And wouldn't it be awesome to be able to see God like that all the time? To be able to say, man, I know I can see God. I know God because I can see him working. I see him moving. Wouldn't that be incredible? Well, today we're going to be in our next part on the series of the Beatitudes that we've been going um, through on Sunday mornings. And today we're on Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, if you want to go ahead and turn with me there. And in this Beatitude, Jesus teaches on the kingdom of God, right? The Beatitudes are like these teachings, these blessings on us. Uh, that Jesus is teaching about um, as he's kind of ushering in and teaching about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and what kind of king is he. And so that's kind of where we're going to be as we've been going through that. And we'll see how Jesus is calling us to fully follow after him um, and, and, and walk in the light. And as we do that, we become pure at heart. And in doing that, we actually are able to see God and see him moving and working in this planet and on this planet. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much just for this morning, for this opportunity um, to, to just stop all the craziness and busyness of life and to worship you and to, to dig into your word and hear what you have to say to us. So I pray this morning that you speak to us, God, and that you uh, give us words of life that will shape us and mold us into, into the people that you've called us to be. And in doing so, we would love those around us and live out our faith, and we would truly walk in the light. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. So in Matthew 5, verse 8, we see Jesus give this beatitude. What is it? It's simple, right? He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So pretty easy, right? Pretty simple. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, you may be thinking, oh, it's pretty simple, right? It's easy, right? Like if we're just be a good person, and you're going to get to heaven, right? And, and no, right? God's not saying like, hey, Jesus is saying, hey, if your good outweighs your bad, then sooner or later, I'm going to let you come up into heaven. Like, no, that's not at all what Jesus is teaching here. He's saying that the pure in heart will see God, and we can take that to the bank. Now, if you're like me, this beatitude actually brings up three questions, which is kind of what we'll be diving into today, and we'll actually kind of be in a lot of text. And so it's going to be like Bible drills this morning, but I'll, they'll also be on the screen, and, um, and I'll be, you know, you don't have to look every single one of them up. If you just want to jot it down, you can look up later. But we're going to be going through a lot, because I believe it's important to see how Scripture teaches more to this, um, this truth that Jesus is teaching here, because all Scripture, right, is God-breathed and tied together. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
That's what Jesus says, right? And, and actually, his, his listeners, right? These would have been early, you know, Palestinian, first century Jewish people, both the religious leaders and the fishermen and the tax collectors and the normal just villagers, right? They would have heard Jesus say this, and most likely their mind would have gone back to a very popular psalm of David, of King David, in Psalm 24, where David writes this in verses 3 and 4. "'Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord?' Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in the idol or swear by a false god. Right? It kind of reminds me of the whole Friday Night Lights, right? Like clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Right? But David is saying, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Right? Who can be in God's presence? Essentially, who can see God? Who can see God? He says, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So David's saying the same thing. But then David gives this cool clarification of what he says. He, he expounds on those who are pure at heart. He says, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god? So he, what does it mean to be pure at heart? That's the first question. Right? What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does that mean? Well, to David, David says it means to not trust in an idol and to not swear by a false god. Now, your translation may say something a little bit different there because actually the Hebrew word here for idol, it's literally means something that is false or something that is meaningless. So it can be just vanity. It can be an idol. But ultimately, it's just something that has no worth, no value. So to be pure in heart means you're not trusting in something that is meaningless. You're not trusting in a false god, a false idol. So to David, to be pure in heart means to seek truth and to not seek anything that is meaningless. To not let your heart go after things that do not matter. That's what it means to David to be pure in heart. Now if you turn over to the book of James, James expounds on this as well in the New Testament. Now, we know James was the brother of Jesus, right? He, he's writing this letter uh, to the church that's just spread out across um, the area. And so he's writing a little bit about kind of the same idea of what it means to be pure in heart. We're going to kind of start backwards and work our way back up. You'll see what I mean. Uh, look in verse 8 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 8. He says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, I mean, has there ever been a more relevant scripture than this right here? Wash your hands, you sinners. Right? Like, I've been waiting to preach that since March. Right? Because, I mean, come on. If we did that, we wouldn't be in the place we are now. Right? But James says, wash your hands, you sinners. And then he says, right, that if you come near to God, he will come near to you. Wash your hands and purify your hearts. You double-minded. So here it is again, right? He says, purify your hearts. And then he gives them an adjective. He, he tells them something that they are, right, that um, explains why they're not pure at heart. And he says, you double-minded, right? You double-minded people. So, so they're not pure at heart because they're double-minded. So now we see the opposite of where we're looking at what does it mean to be pure at heart? Well, this is what it doesn't mean, to be double-minded. And the Greek word there, it literally means living two lives, Right? It's like having two minds, two lives. It's like, you know, just being two-faced, right? Being one way here and a whole different way somewhere else. To be double-minded, seeking after two different things. You want some people to think of you this way, some people think of you this way. I mean, the Pharisees, right, who part of the people Jesus is teaching to, they exemplified this to the T, 
right? That the religious leaders of the day, they were so worried about being, being perceived as holy, being perceived as righteous, and they wouldn't do anything wrong, right? They wouldn't, they wouldn't even come close to breaking a law of the Lord. But yet inwardly, man, they were so selfish, so prideful, right? And so evil on the inside. Jesus, it's not about what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside, right? He even calls them whitewashed tombs, right? And so that's being double-minded. It's, it's being one way, but wanting to be perceived another way, right? And so that's the opposite of being pure at heart. James talks about this even more in a few verses above. Go back up to verse 4. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Wow, that's strong language by James. Saying friendship with the world is enmity with God, right? So you, you, can't, you can't love the world, the things of this world, and be a friend of the world and claim to love God. Those two things do not mesh like oil and water, right? It's, that's the same idea, being double-minded. The opposite of being pure at heart is to have these two different desires, two different pursuits, right? Of deceiving, deceitfulness, deceiving people, right? That you aren't who you really are. That's being double-minded. He even speaks on this more in the very first chapter of James. Turn back over to chapter 1 and verse 27. He says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James is saying that religion and faith that is pure to God, so pure at heart, right? You, don't, you want to know what it means to be pure at heart? We well, he says, take care of the orphans and the widows, and to keep yourself unpolluted, unstained from the world. So it's no like one foot in the world, doing what you want to do, living for your own passions and pursuits, and also chasing Jesus, right? There's, there's none of that. That's not pure at heart. That's not pure faith in Jesus, right? So this is teaching throughout the book of James and throughout Scripture of what it means to be pure at heart when Jesus says, blessed are the pure at heart. He's saying, blessed are those who are sold out for me, right? Not double-minded, not living two lives, but one life chasing after me. See, Jesus desires this intimate and exclusive relationship with us, right? Just like a, a husband and a wife on their wedding day pledges, right, to, to not love anyone else, pledges that they will be each other's for the rest of their lives together, right? And the same idea with, with us and Christ, that he desires this exclusive relationship with us, that our heart is his, right? We give it up to him. We pursue him. We follow him. We love him above everything else. And anything else apart from that is chasing after something that is meaningless. It is void. It is vanity, Right? And that's not being pure at heart. To be pure at heart is to chase after Jesus with every single bit of us. Above pursuits of a degree, pursuits of a job, pursuits of a family, right? pursuits of health. Above all those things. Those things are good, but above all those things should be our pursuit of Christ. Because He is number one. We're not living two different lives. We're not, friendship. We're not friends with the world or loving the world, but we love Him. He is our God and we follow Him. That's what it means to be pure in heart. So when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, man, that's, that's daunting, right? That's a lot. 
And the thing is, which leads us to really our second question is, okay, so that's what it means to be pure at heart, but how do we become pure in heart? Because, man, if you're anything like me, it's like, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I know myself, right? Like, I want to, and I, I, I do good things, but yet I know the inward parts of my soul, the parts that aren't godly, the parts that just are prone to, to wander off, right? That it's like a child left attended. It's going to run out in the street and hurt itself, right? Like, that's, that's me. So how could I? I can't make myself pure at heart. No. How do we become pure at heart? Well, in the book of Acts, chapter 15, it's the early church, and actually um, by this time, you know, Jesus is, is ascended, and the disciples are out spreading the gospel, and churches are being planted, and many people are coming to faith. And by Acts 15, the early church, which is made up of the Jewish people, the disciples, they're coming to realization that, you know what, Jesus didn't come just for the Jews, but he came for all, right? He came for the Gentiles. So they're kind of coming to that, to that point of realization. So that's where we kind of pick up with Peter here speaking in Acts chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. Peter says, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. So how do we become pure in heart? Simply by faith in Jesus. Right? What do I mean by that? That, that we, we see Jesus, we we believe in his work on the cross, right? That he was the son of God that came, that lived a perfect life, that died a sinner's death upon a cross and rose from the grave, that we believe that, that we believe that his death was our death. His death was my death. And I believe that. And in doing so, I give up my life to receive his life. Right, So now, no longer do I live in myself. As Paul says in Galatians 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right, So now, to be pure at heart, how do we become pure at heart? We just surrender. Right, We release ourselves. That I, I'm no longer the boss. Right, this, this life, this body is no longer mine. I can't chase after these things of the world. I can't be living two lives and being deceitful because this life isn't my own. It's his. I've given it to him. God purifies by faith. And this, when we place this faith in him, we receive this salvation, right? This beautiful gift of salvation that only comes from faith in Jesus Christ, right? We receive his gift of salvation. That salvation breaks us free from the bondages of sin in our life and the shackles that sin puts us in where we do the things that we don't want to do. We live the life that's opposite and contrary to God, right? We're, we, we chase after the world, the pursuits of the world, and, and wanting to have all the pleasures, wanting to have the fulfillment of the world and what the world offers. We give that up, not in our own power, but because the gift of salvation, the work of Jesus on the cross, breaks those chains and we're free to pursue Christ right by faith and he breaks us those chains so that we can pursue him first John the apostle John wrote of this in first John chapter 1 we see him right in verses 5 through 9 so kind of a big chunk here it says this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, 
and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin, right? There goes purifies, right? That word, purifies. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But check this out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And what does he do? Purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, how do we become pure at heart? Pure in heart? We, we place faith in Jesus. Right? And yes, we mess up. Yes, we fall. Yes, we may be double-minded. Yes, we may start chasing after these, these pursuits of fulfillment and other things. But what do we do when we realize that? We stop. We confess those things to our Father who's in heaven. And then He is faithful. He is just. To not only forgive us of those things, but what? Cleanse us. Purify us from all unrighteousness. So we repent. And when we repent, we can walk in the light. Right? We can be pure in heart, not on our own, but simply because we give up our faith to Jesus. And in doing so, He purifies us. He gives us His righteousness, and we are able to walk in the light as He is in the light. Right? So we see that what does it mean to be pure at heart, and how do we become pure at heart? Man, that's what Jesus is saying right here. Right? That we're single-minded pursuit to Jesus, and we can only do that because it's a gift from Him that allows us to chase after Him and be a part of that light. And lastly, the last question that it brings is, okay, so Jesus said, blessed are the pure at heart, right? Okay, we see what that means, how we get it. Now, what does it mean to see God? Right, I kind of touched on that in the very beginning. What does it mean to see God? Because that's the goal, right? I mean, what's the point of being pure at heart if we can't see God? Because if, if we're have this pursuit to be a pure in heart, simply to be pure in heart, then we're not going to be pure in heart, right? That's not a pure thing. But we become pure in heart so that we may see our Creator, so we can see God. And there's this idea here that Jesus is teaching that it's a, it kind of carries both the here and now and this future glory, right? So it kind of carries both of those, that Jesus was ushering in the kingdom of God. Right, but also he was preaching this future glory, this eschatological glory that was coming, that he was going to die and resurrect and, and ascend, but he was going to come back. Right, so we see both of that here. But we see here that, yes, we can see God now. Right, like when we are truly pure in heart, when those chains are broken, and we, we receive the free gift of salvation, and we pursue God and we walk in the light. That's the key, right? That we don't do it, but God does it through the work of Jesus Christ. When we do that, we're able to be pure in heart. And when we do that, we're able to see God now. And yes, I absolutely believe that. Because when we're pure in heart, when we're walking in the light, man, sunlights look, sunsets look a lot different, right? You're seeing just a, a magnificent sunset. And man, the first thing it does, it just draws your heart and your worship to how, much, how magnificent our Creator is, that He could create something that looks like that, right? Or, or and we see God in that. Right? So sunsets look different. Tribulations and suffering tends to look different because we tend to see God in them because when we're going through trials and tribulations and we're walking in the light, we're pursuing Christ, we see them differently now because now we see them as opportunities for God to comfort us, for God to mold us and shape us and begin to work all these things together for our good and that we see those things differently because we see God in the tribulation. We see God in the suffering, that he is with us in the fire. Right? 
relationships begin to look different. Now we see them not just for, we don't see them for our, our own pursuits or our own passion, but we see relationships as avenues for us to, to share the love and grace of Jesus with other people. Right? Relationships are how we do that. Right? Things begin to look differently when we're walking in the light. And we actually see God through everyday things that we're going through because we're walking in the light. So the promise is true. We're able to see God then. But also, what about the future glory? Right? Ultimately, the promise to see God is an eschatological one. A last thing. So that's all that means, right? That, the, these, that Jesus promises to come back and that he's going to forever reign here on earth. And we, as part of his family, as redeemed people by his blood, get to reign with him as his redeemed children. And we get to be in the presence of God, our creator. Man, how incredible. Face to face with God. So one day we will see God, ultimately. Right? And Paul ta- teaches of this in 1 Corinthians. Um, read this. It'll be on the screen. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, Paul writes, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, the Corinthians were famous for their bronze mirrors. They're beautiful. But imagine like looking into a bronze mirror. They, they didn't have glass like we have today. Right, So like you could look in this magnificent, beautiful bronze mirror, but it still wasn't a clear reflection. It wasn't a clear picture of yourself, right? Because it's bronze, right? So there's something still wrong with it. You still couldn't see clearly. So Paul's saying, just like looking in that mirror, right, that we, we don't see God's fullness just yet. But oh boy, will we, right? One day he is coming back for his church. He's coming back for us. And those who are pure in heart, those who are in the light, walking in the light, we shall see him both then and for eternity to come, right? We get to be with him in his presence for eternity. And man, what a promise, right, that we have that. And I mean, Jesus says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, right? That you are blessed to be this. But it's not easy, Right? If, if you're anything like me, you look at what's going on right now in our world, and it can be hard to see God. Right? That Jesus promises, blessed are you, those who are up here in heart, for you will see God. But right now, it can be hard, to be, if we're honest. Right? That we see the, the unjust killings of black men and women in our country. We see the, our communities being rioted and, and, and looted by people and, and innocent cops and people being, being shot. Right? And, and communities being just ravaged. We see politics being more divisive in our country than ever. And on top of all that, we see this disease that is making life as we know it just change for who knows how long. And countless and countless other things, and not to mention the personal things going on in your own life, right? With your own family members, with your own self, right? That we have so much going on, it can be so hard to see God. But what about Jesus' promise that if we're pure in heart, we shall see him? So I believe that as Jesus is teaching is that as we pursue him, we hand him those things, right? To become pure in heart is nothing we do. We simply offer up our lives. And so now we're following after him. We're walking in his light. Because, like, there's a light in front of me right now. And I cannot help but be illuminated by it, right? And I'm not doing anything, but this light is simply shining on me. And as we walk in the light of Christ, we don't do anything, but He shines His light upon us. And, man, He opens our eyes. And so we can see Him, 
right, amidst all the pain and suffering going on, that we realize that, you know what, like, we can be used as instruments for his hope, for his glory to the world around us. Not because we're pursuing these other things. We're not pursuing our passions. We're not pursuing to fit in. We're not pursuing comfort. We're not pursuing right all these things that, that are good and that, that our heart longs after. But no, we have given that up to the Lord. And we're pursuing Him. And as we do that, we walk in the light. And in turn, we become pure at heart. And He opens up our eyes that even among, amongst the destruction, we can see Him working. And we know Him. We believe He's working. And, and man, how beautiful is it that he allows us to be a part of what he's doing. And we can't do that when we're one foot in and one foot out, right? We, we can't be a part of what he's doing. In fact, we're working against him. But to be pure in heart means to join in in his redeeming work, right? To be a part of what he's doing, to allow God to use us as his tools and instruments of grace. I'm going to finish with this. John Piper, I meant to say it earlier, but he has this quote that says, God is the one who purifies the heart, and the instrument with which he cleans it is faith. So we hold fast to our faith. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now he's doing what he says he's doing. As we believe, in turn, he's giving us that pure heart and opening up our eyes to see him. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let us pray. God, um, we pray that you do open up our eyes, that you make us pure in heart that we will have faith in you, we will believe that you are who you say you are, that you will give us faith, God, so we can trust you, believe in you, and stop chasing after anything else that isn't you, God, and in doing so that you will give us that pure heart and give us eyes to see you in the world around us. And in doing that, God, I pray that you use us as your church to heal, to redeem, to minister, and ultimately bring glory to you, to the world around us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.